1: When the red light go, Uh, take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is off air with Chris Thomas and Mike Conti, giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station as we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to off air.
0: All right, welcome, 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 welcome on in. To the latest episode of the Off Air podcast, Chris Thomas, joined as always by Boom the head honcho, Mike Conti, the call that is sweeping the greater Atlanta area and beyond. We will touch on that in just a minute. Mike, this was one of those weekends where it was a sports overload, it was a sports gasm, if you will. There were sports on sports on sports. And and the thing is, before we get into said sports, it was also a beautiful weekend in Atlanta, which turned out to be after the rough start on Saturday morning with the storms rolling through. So it was like, do I want to DVR the Braves game and the women's Final Four and everything else and spend the day outside? Or what do we do? Because it was a really tough call.
1: So this is what I love about my job is being able to, because it, like, I really pay a lot of attention to what we do on the weekends um, for a number of different reasons. And we don't have to get into that on this show. But I, I really do pay very close attention to what we do on the weekends. And there is nothing I enjoy more than getting in the truck on a beautiful Saturday morning, afternoon, evening and driving around and listening to our radio station. I feel like I get the best of both worlds. I I get to enjoy the outdoors and I get to enjoy our content. And I felt a little bad, like Caleb was talking about on his show Saturday. Poor Caleb's on four to seven o'clock on Saturday when the weather is, I mean, just GD perfect, right? Like not a cloud in the sky, 78 degrees, but it's a little breezy. It doesn't feel humid. I mean, it's just perfect. And, And Caleb's talking about yeah, I got to be here in the studio, but I like doing it, so it's okay. And, and deep down, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, boy, I, I, Caleb, I, I wish we could take the show outside. I get it. Uh, so as a listener, it's very, very lucky for me to be able to just get in the truck and drive around uh, and enjoy the the beautiful scenery and beautiful weather and listen to you guys. Um, now, here was the surprise for me. Okay. Braves opening weekend, great got a lot of my attention uh, final four what a finish between Florida Atlantic and San Diego State one that I did not see because I was calling Atlanta United mm. uh, but but I had a great time in Atlanta United I always do that that's my I as I've said before that's my happy place that broadcast booth I had a great time calling that match Hawks had an eventful weekend uh, I agree with what you said on on Friday it was bored by that game in Brooklyn. Yep. Uh, I was not bored yesterday, uh, last night. It was a terrific game. But you know what sporting event stood out to me the most this weekend was the women's
0: Final Four. Yep, I was just about uh, to say. I, I,
1: I just thought that was incredible, incredible theater. And that South Carolina-Iowa game Friday night, I, I mean, I put that right up there as best sporting event of the year so far i mean the super bowl had a lot of drama and had some controversy late that it was a very very good super bowl but man that south carolina iowa duel between caitlin clark and the the Gamecocks, who have been this you know women's college basketball machine and, and all the personalities are really strong personalities and we're going to talk about don staley a little bit later i loved that and i thought it was great basketball really entertaining basketball and then again yesterday uh i'll be really curious to see what the tv rating was you know being on abc on a sunday afternoon yep uh but aside from the fact that the game was horrendously over officiated <laughs> you, you just you love this idea of okay you know lsu they're ahead they're up by 10 but i always got caitlin clark can she bring him back into it? And you know, now she's launching from 28 feet and she's making it. Can this really happen again? And it didn't, but it, it didn't only because LSU scored 102 points yep. in a 40-minute game. That's crazy. 102 points in a 40-minute game with a 30-second shot clock. That's nuts. Um, so just awesome for. The game of basketball, awesome for women's basketball and women's sports. And I, I think it's great for women's college basketball now. But it, It's not just Tennessee, UConn, Stanford kind of running the show as it was when I was a kid. You have a right. lot of different programs now. There's more parity. Uh, and Iowa being in there and, um, you know, South Carolina has been really good for a while. But but getting Iowa in there, Indiana was very good this year. Um just having different LSU, who's never won a women's championship before, what's actually shocked me. They've had some very good players and coaches. It's just good for the game now that it's not the same three or four schools continuing to run the show, that you're getting a lot more variety in it.
0: Yeah, um, LSU, I was watching yesterday. In that second quarter, they were making NBA 3 after NBA uh, 3. It, they were inc- That was incredible to watch. Now, my question to you is, as somebody who is sort of being introduced to the women's college game with basically this year. You know, I I know, like you said, about the Tennessees and the South Carolinas, but I, I will put my hand up and say I, I it's a handful of minutes I've probably watched of the women's college game in my yeah. lifetime. What made this year so special? Has this been a slow, steady build, or did they just catch lightning in a bottle this year? Kalen Clark is
1: what made it special. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a, a personality who – um, you know, was just playing at such a high level. It, it, she was playing at a level that just kind of transcended the fact that it was women's college basketball. I mean, just on, from an athletic perspective, she was doing something that I think everyone could appreciate no matter which gender, which level, whatever. I, I think Clark was the difference. And on top of it, uh, you know, she had a very kind of strong telegenic personality. Mm -hmm. um you know there was kind of this that's a ten
0: dollar word right there by the way yeah yeah Yeah. it's like
1: she watching her kind of made you think of all of the young women that that played ball when you were in high school right or Mm -hmm. or played ball in the neighborhood like she she just was very very um relatable i think And, and but the the fact that she played with uh you know, a real kind of confidence and swagger, but at the same time, always giving credit to her teammates, always saying the right things, always being deferential to her coach. Um, You know, I I tweeted yesterday, I was really bothered with the way that Caitlin Clark was officiated because quite frankly, Chris, like I'm going to make a rough guess. I'm going to say 5 million people were watching Mm -hmm. uh, that game yesterday. And I think the number is probably going to come in around there, maybe a little bit higher, which is an unbelievable number. I mean, uh, yeah. You know, a good college football game on a Saturday is gonna be around five, six, seven million. So um, the World
0: Series, I think, only got around ten. So you get a women's college final with half of that.
1: So let, let's say you had five million people watching yesterday. I'm gonna assume four and a half of those five million people were watching to see Caitlin Clark. Mm. And now we're giving her a little technical foul because the ball bounced in front of her and she kind of knocked it away. And well, she didn't hand it to an official, so that's a technical foul. Who
0: does I that thought, remind you of?
1: Well, look, I thought <laughs> these, quite frankly, were trying to find a way to foul her out of the game. Yeah, like, but I, it just felt to me. And and by the way, this goes both ways. The game was horrendously over officiated for both teams. LSU had players in foul trouble the whole day too. It just felt to me. Like the referees were trying to make themselves the center of attention. And when you're in a championship game, there has to be, I think, a mentality that you've got to let the players determine the championship on the court and let them play. And referee with common sense when it comes to judgment calls. You know, giving Caitlin Clark a technical foul for flipping the ball away, that is a judgment call. Have better judgment judgment and don't make it about yourself um i really really was disappointed in that i thought it really did a deserve in a way kind of like the super bowl you know you had a call at the end of the game that was determinant to the outcome i think of the super bowl probably was the right call but a lot of people felt very strongly you've got to let it play uh you, you cannot intervene because this is a championship game and you've got to let the players determine it I just thought women's basketball had a real opportunity yesterday to make some new fans, earn some appreciation that it has not gotten for right or wrong reasons. And instead you had a ref show. And I just hated that. Uh, look, I'll admit I'm a fan. I wanted to watch Caitlin Clark. I wanted to see if she'd score 50. Yeah. I hated the fact that the referees kept calling fouls on her, um, and a couple of them very, very ticky-tack to put her in a situation where she could not play the entire game. I just really, really dislike that. And it it, it 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 didn't ruin the game, but it certainly didn't help the game.
0: All right. So from one thing that stole the weekend to another. I've been and ready for this. Yes. <laughs> the, the, all right. Everybody buckle up. Because on my show on Saturday on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, uh, during the producer six-pack question where I had Dom C. with me this weekend, he throws out uh, four sports questions and two lifestyle questions at me. And he saved the best for last. Because his last question to me was, what cereal has the best leftover milk in the bowl? Yes. And to me, Mike, there can be only one. There could be only one answer, and that answer is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It is like drinking a milkshake at the end of a delicious bowl of cereal. Those beautiful crystals settle down into the bowl, and it gives the milk like a milkshake-type texture and flavor. And I got to say, the people of Atlanta spoke, and they spoke en masse. They spoke in volumes, and uh, it was a pretty split decision. But I think – In about 52 to 48 vote, Cinnamon Toast Crunch took the field. What say you? Well, look, I mean, I'm not
1: surprised that Cinnamon Toast Crunch came out um, at the top of that survey. Uh, I'm not surprised because it is a very popular cereal. I even went to brunch yesterday at a restaurant that was serving like a boozy Cinnamon Toast Crunch punch. What? Actually marinating. It it was... um, I don't know if it was like a white Russian or something like that, but the milk was marinated in cinnamon toast crunch. Oh my uh, so, and That's not the first place I've seen that, by the way. Wow. So um, You know, this is a legitimate thing. It's being used in cocktails and being used in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, fun drinks right now. My thing is this. There is really, truly only one reason to eat Cocoa Krispies or Cocoa Pebbles or even Cocoa Puffs, to an extent. But Cocoa Puffs, the milk is not the same after Cocoa Puffs as it is with Cocoa Krispies and Cocoa Pebbles. Okay. You get the nutritional benefits of consuming plain milk, but (laughs) in the end of your breakfast, you get the dessert of chocolate milk. And not just not just the chocolate milk where, you know, you buy a, a gallon of milk and you put some Hershey syrup in and stir. It hits differently when your Cocoa Pebbles and your Cocoa crispies have been sitting in that milk and shedding all of its chocolatey goodness into the milk for an extended period of time. Mm. It's almost like the difference between, um, you know, eating like a really, really dense dark chocolate bar as opposed to having like a Hershey bar or even something that that's a little milder. I I just think the intensity is, is more chocolatey in the milk when you have cocoa um, pebbles or cocoa crispies. So to me, it's a no brainer. It's cocoa crispies. It is a no brainer to me because you get just such a high density punch of chocolate flavor in your milk. Now, I'm a little surprised I didn't really I, I didn't see the text line when you were doing this on on Saturday and I didn't see your Twitter there is this new trend with cereal milk uh that actually has been turned into an ice cream what? did anyone did anyone mention on the text line or in your comments about cornflakes no and the left no. Okay. So there is um, a bakery slash confectionery in New York City called the Milk Bar. Are you aware of them?
0: Yes, I have heard of them. Yes,
1: And Milk Bar now is starting to sell some of its products here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ice creams, some cookies. I haven't seen their cakes down here yet, but you can get them shipped down here. Milk Bar has a flavor of ice cream called breakfast cereal. And basically what they've done is they've they found a way to kind of like liquefy cornflakes and put a ribbon of that liquefied cornflakes within uh, kind of like a sweet cream-tasting ice cream. Wow. And, and the idea is that it tastes like the leftover milk from cornflakes. And honestly, it does. And what's great about it, Chris, is you get the, the contrast of sweet and salty. So okay. a lot of people are really starting to swear by this cornflake trend now because of the milk bar ice cream. When I had cornflakes as a kid, like I, I, my cereals as a kid, because my parents didn't want me getting like fatter than I already was. So sure. they really tried to, you know, limit my consumption of life checks. I had a lot of life. Uh, well, and the funny thing there with life was they, they had the commercials when I was a very little kid about, Oh, even Mikey likes life, and I, you know, my parents called me Mikey as a kid. Uh, so there, there's the whole oh, Mikey likes it life, but I, I would at least try to get cinnamon life out of it. Uh, okay. <laughs> if I have to eat life, I at least try to get the cinnamon because that's other. Uh, By the way, life life is not bad either with the leftover milk. There's if you look at one of those life squares, yeah, they're granular gran granular sugar. Visible within the square, okay. so it's not gotcha. like life is sugar free by any stretch. No, uh, but as a kid, I ate a lot of uh, yeah, checks, rice checks was a big thing. Um, you ever get into the furina? Never did that. No, no.
0: <laughs> it's like the old
1: people, <laughs> cereal, yeah. like the hot cereal. <laughs> no, but it's funny because, like, when I would, um When I'd have sleepovers at my grandparents' house, all they had was a cereal called Fruit and Fiber. Oh, no. Fruit and Fiber, which is basically Raisin Bran, but with some dates in it as well. And I think some almond slivers. And it actually really was not that bad, but it was just a very adult cereal. And a lot of product 19 as a kid. They don't even make it. And it's killing me. I used to love Product 19. Uh, Crispix was a. Yep, a yep, yep, product. Yep. So now y- you kind of get where I'm going with this. There wasn't really a whole lot of fun milk left over with Crispix and Product 19. Uh, Kicks was the number one that I. Yep, it, there I you go. A lot as a kid. Like you didn't really get a lot of fun out of that. So anytime we would get spoiled, like even heard you guys mention fruity pebbles. Yep. Once in on a blue moon, we'd be able to eat fruity pebbles, and I thought Dom made a really good point about how fruity pebbles texture gets completely ruined if you don't eat it quickly. Soggy pebbles are are no good. Yep. Uh, but at least the milk there would be kind of fun. You know, you'd get a little. Oh yeah. Milk, so it'd be okay. So. So, like, it, your your topic really resonated with me because it would be very, very rare when we would have the opportunity as kids to have fun leftover milk. But, again, just that intensity of that that concentrated chocolatey punch that you get with Cocoa Krispies or Cocoa
0: Pebbles, to me, that's the one all the oh. way. We will have our Skip and Shannon moment here because I just I agree to disagree, Mike. That's okay. That, that cinnamon toast crunch is is where it's at. And before we do wrap, I do need to. Sometimes they say in in the kids game these days that guy caught a stray. No, there's no stray here. I'm direct shot at Caleb Johnson, who strolled into the studio for some cross talk at the end of the show Uh and said that cereal wasn't really a part of his daily breakfast repertoire because his mom was always home to make him omelets and pancakes and things of the like. That's ridiculous. Get out of here, Caleb. By the way,
1: Caleb's lucky that he got married at a young age because I was a bachelor for a really long time and more... More times than I would care to admit, a bowl of cereal would be dinner for me. So, you know, Caleb can be bougie and talk about his pampered eggs and his, uh, you know, stone ground grits and, uh, you know, house cured bacon and all of that. (laughs) You know, until you've had to have a bowl of Cocoa Puffs for dinner, as I had to do many times in my 20s, you can stay out of any argument about cereal milk as far as I'm
0: concerned. And and that... Caleb is from the head honcho. All right, let's finish off where we started with a little more women's college basketball talk because I thought uh, the woman besides Caitlin Clark and Kim Mulkey and her Tigers who won the weekend uh, was Dawn Staley because she came out with a very powerful message after the media came out and sort of uh, stuck the label of some bully ball on South Carolina, which Dawn Staley took quite offense to.
2: Truth about our team, okay? It's a good question, okay? Um, We're not bar fighters. We're not thugs. We're not monkeys. We're not street fighters. Um, This team exemplifies how you need to approach basketball on the court and off the court. And I do think that, I do think that that's sometimes brought into the game. And it, and it, and it, hurts. Okay. Um, and I do think that some of, uh, I'm gonna say it cause I said, I was going to say it, whether we lost or whether we won some of the people in the media, when you're gathering in public. You're saying things about our team and you're being heard and it's being brought back to me. Okay. And these are the people that write nationally for our, for our sport.
0: So I thought she, you know, you couldn't have been more direct than she was there. She said she didn't like the labeling that her team was given. And, you know, especially some of the word choices that she used, that's very strong to apply to, women's college basketball players.
1: Yeah, look, uh, you have to understand that Dawn Staley, um, the way that she came up playing the game and the people who were very, very uh, influential in the way that that she learned the game um, came from a Philadelphia basketball community that really embraces toughness. Yep. Not finesse basketball, but toughness. My favorite college basketball coach of all time, all time, there will never be anyone like him ever again was John Cheney.
2: Okay. Uh, yep.
1: i I think a year or two ago, former head coach at temple. Um, I now look full disclosure. I grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, John Cheney was a larger than life figure in Philadelphia during my childhood. Um, John Cheney preached toughness. That if you were going to play against a John Cheney Temple team, you were going to have to earn every basket. Um, his matchup zone has still, to this day, I think, not been fully uh, copied or replicated by anyone else. But it, it was such a perfect disruptive tough form of defense and it was very effective. John Cheney had Temple ranked number 1 in the country. Temple. Mm. You know, it, when I grew up, I didn't know any better. That Temple was a blue blood program like Kentucky. <laughs> Temple. Well, Don Staley, you know, when when John Cheney died, Don Staley talked a lot about how John Cheney was a huge huge influence in how uh she learned to play the game. And when I watch John Staley's South Carolina team, I see a lot of those, um, John Cheney temple teams, Mm -hmm. which had a lot of talent, by the way. Um, you know, uh, Jalen Brunson's father, Rick Brunson, uh, Mark Macon was a really, really good college uh, under John Cheney, Aaron McKee, Eddie Jones. Um, they all played two way basketball. They all played it the right way. And, um, you know, the women's game like – Caitlin Clark's an example, I guess. You know, the the look at what, what has happened in the NBA and how it's become kind of a finesse game, mm-hmm. a lot of it related to three-point shooting. What I saw on Sunday in that Iowa LSU game was finesse basketball where, uh, you know, ultimately it really came down to, to jump shooting and outside shooting. And John Staley's South Carolina team – would not concede the three point line in the same way that I think LSU or Iowa would. Um, there's obviously some overtones to what Don Staley was talking about that, quite frankly, I don't think I have the license to comment on, nor you. Nope. We'll leave that off to the side. Uh, but I think you can tell that, that Don Staley is very, very hurt that, um, you know, those overtones are being applied to her basketball team because it's inappropriate and it's undeserved. I'll tell you this. You know, Penn State recently had um an opening for its head men's basketball coach. And they ended up hiring Mike Rhodes, who's the was the coach at Virginia Commonwealth. I think that was a great hire. If Penn State would have hired Don Staley to be our next men's basketball coach, I would have done cartwheels. I would have been so happy about that. Yeah because her teams play the game tough, and to me, I think that's playing the game the right way. It's not for everyone, but for me, that's what I grew up watching, Uh, and I'm a huge, huge admirer of her. I love her advocacy of her team, her ambassadorship of her university, and again, I might be biased because I'm a Philly guy, when uh, Don Staley wore Randall Cunningham's jersey on Super Bowl
0: Sunday, <laughs> got me really fired up too. Yeah. So, well, she's awesome. getting the pub though. She's doing national commercials with Coach yep. K. I mean, she's yep. getting recognition for being not just one of the top women's coaches, but one of the top coaches. Period.
1: She could coach a men's team, and they would be very successful.
0: Yeah,
1: flat out. You know, and and by the way, that's coming. You're going to have a a woman coaching. Uh, an NBA team or a men's college basketball team in our lifetime. I really do think that's coming, you know, whether it's Dawn Staley or Becky Hammond or someone else. I really do think that's coming. Uh, you're seeing a lot more women. Kara Lawson did it with the, the Washington Wizards. You're, you're, now she's the, the head women's coach at Duke. But Yeah, Duke, yep. You're, you're seeing a lot more women on NBA benches as assistant coaches, and there's going to be a day. And I think basketball will be the first sport where we see it where a woman is going to coach a men's team. Uh, You're going to see that, I think, before – a head coach. I think you're going to see that before you see it in football. I think you'll see it before you see it in ice hockey. Uh, I I think you'll see it, you know, before you see it in baseball. The only other sport I might be able to envision it would be soccer, but I think you're going to see it in basketball before you see it anywhere else.
0: Yeah, uh, it's just an awesome testament to her and just a good job. You know, stand up for what – stand up for your team, stand up for what you believe – is right. And, you know, if you feel like the national media is calling you out, fight back. I, I, you know, there's, there's no, we're seeing it here to tie it back locally, Mike, with the Falcons and all these national pundits who are saying all these things and throwing statements out in the air about what they think they know about the team. And, you know if you really know what's going on if you if you really understand the the minutia of the situation then you got to stand up and fight for it because sometimes national media national pundits are speaking from a thousand foot view and they, they don't understand what you know about what goes on day to day with your team and and inside your city so great job by Don Staley there and i actually believe if i'm not mistaken i think the yankees this offseason made uh, their single a uh, coach is a female, actually as oh, of right now. Yeah, very cool. yeah. Very so cool. there's a lot, there's a lot of that that's already happening in sports. So on a positive note, we'll end it right there. Mike Conti, the head honcho. Follow him at Mike Conti nine two nine. Boom, We're gonna stick with it, Mike. We're gonna get you on ESPN. We're gonna get um, you everywhere with that call. Well, just
1: get me some Cocoa Krispies. That's okay. all I. Have.
0: That's fine. All right, I'm at C Thomas Radio. Enjoy your breakfast, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.